We want to thank our sponsor for today's show, Zeller Electric. They are trusted advisors with superior service. From safe, efficient homes to multi-million dollar commercial projects, Zeller Electric is Central Illinois' premier electrical service expert. If you're looking for some electrical work done in your home or business, be sure to check them out at zeller-electric.com. And stay tuned during the show for a special offer for first-time customers. Thanks, Zeller Electric, for sponsoring today's show. Listeners, welcome back to the H&H Hour. My name is Heather Taves, and I am sitting alongside my sister and my co-host, and also my best friend, and her name is Heidi Bolt. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining us. We want to welcome you back if you're a consistent listener, and we want to say welcome if you're a first-time listener. You have joined us on what I believe is going to be a really incredible episode. Yes, I'm so excited about this. Heidi, the thing that I love about bringing guests on is that we get to hear people's stories. Yeah. We get to give them a platform, which is m- probably my favorite thing in the whole world, yeah. is giving people a platform to say, tell us your story. Right. You know, we don't do enough of that in our world. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, Heidi, but I'm sure you have because you notice people. <laughs> but you know, you'll be in line at the grocery store and then you'll ask the checkout, the cashier about themselves and they'll just light up. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, you want to know about me? Right. You know, and that that's what I love about this is that we get to to hear people's stories and let everyone else hear them. And I'm super excited about that. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think one of the most interesting things is how unique God is about writing different stories. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all so similar, but he's so strategic about creating us in such uniqueness, Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, your sibling that you look so similar to, but you're so different from, but it's the same with our stories. Mm -hmm. He has got this infinite amount of ideas Mm -hmm. for all of our lives. And I love that. I love bringing those stories to this podcast. Yes. So um, today's guest is someone that I'm really excited about. Heather, we say this um, on this podcast, but I think it's worth repeating because we really pray about who Mm -hmm. God would want to speak on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And the whole premise of the H&H Hour is that ordinary is extraordinary, Mm -hmm. that we don't need to be in the in the schedule and the mundane of our lives and feel like we're doing nothing. Yes. Um, because so often in those ordinary moments is where God really starts to show up in our lives and where we really see how incredible and how extraordinary his journey for us is. Yes. And so this story that we're going to unpack today mm-hmm. is maybe one of the more unique stories mm-hmm. that I have heard in in the recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are so excited to welcome Allie Dakin to the podcast. Welcome, Allie. Thank you. So let's be real. Um, where are you podcasting from right now? <laughs> hiding in my uh, passenger van. Okay. So you're hiding out in your passenger van. Why are you hiding in your passenger van? Because the volume level in my house and the interruptions that take place are at an all-time high coming to the end of summer. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. So you've got sweet six sweet kiddos who are in in your home, and so you are you're hanging out in the van. Yes, that is awesome. I can picture you. That is so fun. (laughs) I I saw I saw one of your Insta stories. I think it was last night, maybe a couple nights ago, and one of your sweet little girls was. Um, behind your shoulder, and she was like mirroring everything you were saying. Oh like she was gosh. mimicking you. It was so cute. I can so relate to that. Yeah, I don't even know she's doing it, and then she points it out laughing. Oh my goodness! It's pretty funny. She's doing it all the time, not just when I have on any sort of screen. So she's 
Yeah, she's so funny. Aw, that's so fun. So, Allie, we go way back with you, don't we? Yes, it's so wonderful. Long before I thought that I'd ever have a family as large as your amazing family. I know, I know. So I think, I mean, I think, what, like 15, how long have you been married? 16 years this year. Okay, so it would be like 17, 18 years that we first met you. Yeah. Oh my goodness, time flies, girls. That is crazy. Okay, so, you know, with social media and Instagram, where I've been able to kind of keep up with your family and God's you know, been God moved you from central Illinois not too long ago. But um, so I know a fair amount about your family, but some of our listeners don't know much about you. So Allie, will you just tell us a little bit about yourself, about your spouse and your kids, um, jobs, hobbies, kind of what makes up the Dakin family? Yeah. So we um, started out, my husband and I met when we were 19 and 20, and we were married by 21 and 22. His name is J.R., he is from Central Illinois, from Peoria, and I'm from Michigan originally. I moved to Phoenix, Arizona, but I graduated high school. It was like, peace out, cold weather, I'm heading for the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Went to a ministry school out there, and that is where I met JR. Okay. And we, we, were, we were married for four years before we welcomed our firstborn, tried, tried for a couple years, and um. Then we had twins and a fourth and a fifth really close together, and then a number six, who I'm excited to share about her story. Um, So yeah, we have six kids. They were all born within seven years of each other, two boys, four girls, and we are absolutely loving the season of life that we're in with very temperate (laughs) seasons now, (laughs) because we moved from living, we we moved back to Peoria. Lived there for 10 years, all the years that my kids, I had them. Yeah. We've been in north north of San Diego. It's called San Diego County, so it's kind of funny because we live in Vista, California. It's not San Diego, but most anyone that lives around here, kind of people just say it's San Diego. And um, we absolutely love it. We love where we are. We've instantly found an incredible church body to just call family, and we love just the season of life that we're in. It's hard. But it's a sweet season. So, and I think that that's, you know, anything is hard that's beautiful. You know, like any yeah. sense of like when you're working towards things, you gotta, you gotta, yeah. So, yeah. So you're home with your kiddos, but um, yeah. JR is in the medical field, right? He is. He is a nurse practitioner. He went back to school and got his um, nursing degree and went right into getting his master's in nursing. And he is, he's in the beginning stages of, you know, just kind of getting experience right now. He's, definitely learning what he would love to be doing and we're praying that those kind of doors open up for him as he continues to move forward in his career but um he loves it he gets to just pray on people and encourage you know he he works with the older older population and Mm. it's precious so he has lots of sweet stories of people that love him (laughs) so um so yeah he works during the day he's home with us during the nights he does work a second job on the weekend because he's committed to our family choice of me being home and homeschooling our kids and he's really so incredible his just ability to push himself and provide so Mm -hmm. heather and i both got to work in ministry with your husband and i he's someone that i really respect Mm -hmm. i really his character is always um so outstanding Mm -hmm. and so i think you're you've got a good one that's so awesome i agree with you it is what it is what made me fall his character, truly. <laughs> yes. 
He's a good one. I love when you're telling your little story, like how to you, your six kids just sound so ordinary. Yeah. Like, like just no big deal. Yeah. Just, and everyone listening is like, wait, what? Did she just say she has six kids? Well, and that was actually going to be my lead in to this next question was, you know, to everyone else, your life does not seem anything ordinary. There's nothing ordinary about your life, but I'm sure to you, it seems very ordinary. So answer that question for us. What about your life is ordinary? Oh, goodness. Um, probably all the systems that I attempt to create and they all sabotage. They never, <laughs> ever really come. I, I'm like, I don't, I see myself not very organized, but it's not me that's not organized. It's the six little humans that live in my home that have yet to learn <laughs> the beauty of what it means to have, give everything a home in the house, you know? So yeah. I'm constantly trying to come up with new ways to make life feel a little bit more in rhythm. And I have wonderful, you know, people of wisdom that have walked this road before me, whether they have, you know, as many as me, more than me, or less than me, they all just say, well, you'll definitely, that will happen once they leave. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just so enjoy the chaos. Ordinary to just constantly try things and feel like they're not working and then look back and, you know, season past and be like, oh my gosh, look at what we've learned. Yeah. It's really cool. So how do, how do you keep your cool in the midst of raising six kiddos and being a stay I apologize a lot. Yeah. Mm. Because I don't always keep my cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel like I've grown so much, and I look back at my, you know, precious 12-year-old who, when he was four, and I was pregnant with our fifth, and I just feel so bad for how many times I lost it on him. And I see the, the like, unfortunate bad fruit of that now, because he has a shorter temper, mm-hmm. and now we can talk through it, you know, and I get to apologize when I get frustrated, and I actually have better language now to be able to describe where I'm at, you know, like how I'm, how I need to, mom's going to go just take a breath, you know, mm-hmm. just go and recharge. And, and it's, it's a journey because I, I'm not always peaceful, yeah. but graciously, I feel like what God does inside of that, those weaknesses is he constantly just reminds me of how much he's not, you know, upset with me or mm-hmm. discouraged by where I'm at. Like he's mm-hmm. always, with me in that moment and it just humbles me enough to be able to go and just apologize. Mm. I mean, I definitely don't have, you know, outbursts all the time, but I do, I do have moments for sure. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We talk to a lot of young moms um, who often say things like, I just, I can't keep my temper with my kids and they feel this guilt over not being able to have that, you know, calm temperament with their kids. Do you feel like for you in parenting, it's been a journey of learning how to control yourself? Yes, it absolutely has. And I think that, um, I think that guilt is just such a lie from the enemy, yeah. you know? So I think that when they were younger, I did have more, but I don't think I carried as much as I knew, know some parents to carry. Cause it's just an unrealistic expectation to have so many little people that you're caring for and to not lose it. I mean, it is, it is what takes us to the place of needing more of Jesus. Because yeah. if I was capable of just being at a place of peace all the time, then I wouldn't really need him. Mm. And I'm not trying to advocate for losing it at all. <laughs> but um, I because I think that just knowing that he's my strength and in, in my weakness, like he's who I turn to, like when I maybe can hold my tongue, but I roll my eyes or I breathe a deep sigh, like they pick up on those things. Mm. And so I have to work through and communicate even those things to them. Mm. So it has absolutely been a journey. It has been, I mean, I don't think there's anything that has pointed me more to Jesus than motherhood. Mm. I love what you said too, just a few minutes ago about you are seeing 
some of the reactions maybe that your son as a four-year-old saw in you, you're seeing that in him now. And I just, I want to pick up on that just from a, not to highlight like, you know, that your 12-year-old has, might have a little bit of a short temper, but to say like, it really is so important that our, that we set the standard for our kids because they will pick up on all of those things. And that's why, you know, we were at the water park the other day and I just was so saddened by the way I heard not everyone, but many parents speaking to their children. It, it mm-hmm. was grieving me so deeply. And I thought, what is it doing to those children's spirits? And what is it? Yeah. It's creating people that are going to be just like them. Yeah. And so just that idea of when our kids are little, like it's they're watching everything and they're learning and, you know, are, they want to be just like their mom and dad. And so recognizing that as we're able to hold our hold our tongue, control our temper, turn to Jesus, point our kids to Jesus, that's what's instilling, being instilled in them um, and causing them to then walk in more fullness of knowing Jesus as they get older. Yes. Mm, That's a good word, Heather. Amen. (laughs) Okay, Allie, so what's something about your life that is extraordinary? I would say just Jesus in the everyday. I'm I'm so overwhelmed by the realness that he's present in every day. And it's not him that ever is hard to find. It's me that sometimes gets, you know, I get clouded or I get distracted. And it just takes such a a moment to stop. And he's so real and so close. And in my everyday, that could be exhausting, you know, when the school bus goes by and I could be like totally allured by the ease. And I don't mean sending kids to school is easy. I think that any form of education there comes it's just a difficult season yeah but um it is it's extraordinary to me to be able to step into the calling of being my being with my children and being a part of their childhood and just being able to help identify who they are in the lord it's it's a a role i am passionate about discipleship and i get to be a part of that and it's huge to me Mm-hmm. You're speaking our language, girl. <laughs> um, so we're both homeschool mamas, and I will have to admit, just even last night, I was sitting on the couch starting to you know, think through and preparing myself <laughs> mentally for starting school. And I, I really felt, like you said, that allure of, man, do I really want to do this? Do I really have what it takes to be my kid's primary educator, you know, like, and then you start to doubt, like, am I even smart enough to educate them? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, can I teach a second grader? Um, And I started to kind of lean into those lies from the enemy. And it was so incredible because in that exact moment, a friend sent me a text and she texted me this prayer. I had not breathed a word of this to her. She texted me this prayer um, praying that God, I would feel equipped for this coming school year and that <sighs> he would narrow my vision onto what he had for me. <laughs> and I just thought, man, God, you are so cool to have such perfect yeah. timing to speak into the doubt I was feeling and to mm-hmm. go, girl, I've got you. This this is, really isn't about you. This is about me educating your kids through you. Mm-hmm. So. Amen. Oh, so good. Okay, so I want to just ask you something really quick about one of the things that you said. You talked about that Jesus being so near and just feeling his presence. And I know so many people long for that, but they have no idea how to get it. And we've had so many people say to us, well, how do you how do you get so close to Jesus? You talk about that all the time. So what did that look like for you? Was it just natural? Did you work at it? Yeah, I think that, you know, the. Scripture tells us, like, 
when we hunger and thirst, like God fills us. Like, mm. so what it means to be hungry is to be, it's, it's active. Like I feel like I have to actively go after the Lord. Mm-hmm. And for me, that sometimes is finding him in nature, you know, like getting out of my house regularly to just see him in creation and mm. dialogue, whether it's through my thoughts or, you know, out loud with my kids, that we'll talk just about what we're grateful for with the Lord. And I, I feel like there has been like a, it has been a little bit easier than I know some people struggle. Cause there's just this absolute gift of faith. Like I just mm-hmm. trust, like I have times like totally, like I call it like a Google moment, you know, like Google earth, like goes like far away from, <laughs> you know, like earth or whatever, like where you're like, Whoa, is this real? Oh my gosh. Am I crazy? Do I really believe this? Like I've had those. Mm-hmm. And yet I still choose to believe like, I'd rather live my entire life on this earth and believe this is real and have a, a communion with the Lord and talk to him and give him my doubts, my hopes, all of it, like on a daily basis and miss it, than try to figure it out on my own. Mm, yeah. And I, I feel like through just the seasons, you know, like I've, I've experienced loneliness, I've experienced heartache, I've experienced all these things that like when I come to that place, whether you experienced it in church and worship or through community relationship, like there's nothing more real than feeling God's peace. Mm. And so like just being able to find a way to make that happen in every day, you know, Mm -hmm. like whether that's five minutes a day or throughout your day or whatever, like that for me, it's like, this is what's real to me when chaos is crazy. Like when I know where I I'm like, I'm actually trying to be actually more like intentional and mindful to acknowledge God's presence and how it is different. Like it's not always the same feeling, you know, like it's, yeah all the time like he's there and he's wanting to make himself known and so I've just actively tried to go after him and Mm -hmm. that and I know that kind of probably still seems a little bit abstract Mm because there's no formula I mean he didn't give us a formula on purpose because he just wants it to be real life yes oh that is I I love it so much I hear I just hear what you're saying I love what you said about like God is always there sometimes it's me that that needs to remember and come back you know come back to him and and actively participate in this relationship you know it goes both ways and um we so often try to put god in a box like you said the feeling god doesn't always look the same or feel the same you know it's not always goosebumps on your arms Mm -hmm. sometimes it's light that's coming through a window and you see that and you say that's the glory of god you know sometimes it's a hug from a friend and i think being aware of his presence in all of those different ways is so beautiful well said yeah that's so good um so you had you had a bit of a journey to getting to build your and JR's family and add yes. kiddos to your marriage. Um, will you talk to us about that journey? Yeah, we were young when we um, said, I do. You're 21. I mean, that I was 21. He was 22. And um, we were both, you know, just gung-ho and excited to be a part of full-time ministry. And I don't know, maybe two months into marriage, like, I was just kind of like took my breath away, awakened to the idea of starting a family and just where we were in ministry at the time in Phoenix, people were amazing and couples were just very much teams. Like you saw, you know, married couples working together, ministry teams, they were phenomenal. There wasn't a lot of families though. Like there were people, they had kids, but their kids kind of were home. There wasn't a lot of, and nothing against that season of those people. It was great, but Mm -hmm. a lot of the, you know, encouragement and wisdom in our life at the time was, you know, wait, you know, wait five years, build your marriage, don't start a family. Mm-hmm. And we kind of went into marriage with just, okay, we're going to prevent. And, um, a couple months in, I, like I said, just like took my breath away. Like <laughs> 
I genuinely tell people this. Like, I was like, we get to make humans together. It's amazing. <laughs> like, I literally have one memory as a child, somewhere between 11 and 12, thinking about children. Like, mm-hmm. really never wanted to be a mom, never, like, held babies, never cared about kids, never worked with kids, didn't babysit, didn't mm-hmm. even, I mean, like, unbelievably not a part of my childhood. So like, a total shift total shift after we were married like when we when we were talking and you know in in our engagement season and stuff we talked about a family we talked about adoption before we were married and um he had two sisters and a brother and we both just had kind of hope for our our family and that was if we have a son we want him to have a brother and if we have a daughter we want her to have a sister because neither of us grew up with that relationship in our families Mm. and not that you can actually pick that you know that was just our hope and so yeah we decided to stop preventing and we prayed over the night that we were no longer going to do that. And I can remember just kind of nonchalantly saying like, I mean, it could take us a couple years still feeling not emotionally attached to it, but just excited and totally expecting to get pregnant right away. Mm. I was young. So I had regular cycles. There was no, I just didn't have any sort of concept of miscarriage, miscarriages or infertility. I just, was so hopeful in yeah. my 21 year old I don't even know if Google was easy then like I don't <laughs> remember so yeah um, so yeah we went pretty quickly into actively trying and six months passed without any sort of I mean just six months of negative pregnancy tests we then we were living from we went from Phoenix to living in Peoria for a little while and then we ended up down in Atlanta so we were at about a year and a half of trying and I started to, you know, think I understood the way God worked and it was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, now we're in that in transition. So now we'll, you know, now we'll have the baby Mm. and saw a doctor. They thought, you know, I was, I think 23 at the time. I can't remember if I was 23 or 24 at that point, but, um, just said, you're young, you know, there should be nothing wrong. I told her I had been trying for, we've been trying for over a year and a half and she wanted me to chart for six months. And I came back in six months later and was not, you know, pregnant. We were at two years. Then I really struggled with, just the whole waiting on the Lord and getting involved in medicine. And I struggled with that. I I felt like it it was attached to like doubting God and Mm. meaning, meaning like medical assistance. Okay. So, yeah, so we saw counsel, like I saw counsel from someone in our church body at the time. My husband, JR was working on staff as a youth pastor at the time and really received, you know, very sound encouragement and wisdom and ended up going and getting a second opinion, seeing, this other doctor within 10 minutes, if he was like, we're going to do these things. These are the things that were, you know, that you're in the, you're in the category of being infertile. Like we don't, we need to figure out why. So Mm -hmm. I went through tests, started, you know, doing all these different procedures, different things like that. And within three months on oral meds, I conceived our firstborn. Wow. And he was about two months along when I thought I was losing him, had a really heavy miscarriage symptoms and um went in the following Monday and that was the first time I learned how to stand on the word like Mm -hmm. just I had mentors in my life just grab God's word and you stand on his promise and someone had texted me when I was asking them to pray Proverbs 3 5 6 and 7 and in 7 in the message it says your very bones will vibrate with life Mm -hmm. and I just clung to that promise and that following Monday we went in for a follow-up to see if I was still had any that they called it tissue. I mean, they were very heartless. I mean, the office yeah. that I was a part of was not, they were just all medical, no 
emotion at all. And we were so surprised to find out that I was still carrying a baby. We had Mm. lost a twin and we didn't know. So I really didn't really grieve a ton because I was just so happy to have a baby in there, you know? And so Mm. that was our firstborn. And then the journey through the rest of them was we had a, another one in between our firstborn, a miscarriage in between our firstborn and the same medicine learned through that tragedy that I did not produce progesterone well at all. And so we had gotten sent to a specialist and that's where we conceived our twins. And in the process of that, we were actually, JR was working on staff in Peoria at a church. He was on staff at Riverside and there was this, um, series, a six-week series on the gift of prophecy and the office of a prophet. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the most profound series that I had just teaching. I, the, the teaching was incredible. Mm-hmm. And that weekend, there was a prophetic assembly held, and we had gotten prophesied over. And the word that was spoken over us, uh, and the, these words, like they sound like, I can hear them, I'll never forget them. This man said, I see a baby on each hip, one in the stroller and one in the crib. God is going to bless your seed and multiply it. Mm-hmm. And from that day, within two years, I was pregnant with our fifth. Wow. one child. So wow. within two years, I then that, that week I had our embryos transferred and got to carry both of them, which was a miracle because they were average quality embryos. And we had 15 embryos made. Only four of them were like average quality. And they said, we really want to put these guys in now. So they IVF, that was a whole journey. I mean, we, God just walked us in that door. The guy that was the doctor that was our um, specialist was a believer. He, mm-hmm. we walked into his office and he knew more about our history than my personal doctor did. Mm-hmm. And he had read everything and he said, you're people of faith. So you're, you're going to be faced with, you know, a decision of what to do with these embryos, but you're excellent candidates for IVF. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe in that prayer. I believe God opened my womb mm-hmm. because I got a call from the embryologist before I knew I was pregnant with our twins and they said none of our embryos made it to the stage of being frozen. They all would have ended in miscarriage. They were all fragmented and they said at the age of 26, they said, you're um, a part of the, just this mystery kind of, we're still learning of infertility. And they said, you could drop fragmented eggs for the next 10 years and then start dropping good ones. They said, we don't know, but we need to do testing the next time you do IVF. Kind mm-hmm. of alluding to the fact that I wasn't going to be pregnant. Wow. So I spent six weeks waiting, and I found out on April 1st that I was carrying my twins. Wow. Super rad. <laughs> <laughs> and then God shows up, and oh my goodness. I am yeah. literally covered in Jesus chills. Yes. Aw. It's, it's wild. I mean, I definitely in that time was afraid of miscarriage. I wasn't, I wasn't clinging to hope. I was afraid to hope. I mean, my heart was in that place. A hope deferred Yeah, makes the heart sick. I was, I wanted to believe, but being in that clinic, every time I'd walk into the clinic, there'd be incredible women that, you know, in their third failed IVF attempt. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I would just feel like, I don't, I don't know why I'm any better or any, you know, why would I would deserve more. And I just, my heart aches for these people. There's such hopelessness in that office. And I, it just, it was overwhelming that I was actually carrying twins. Like I couldn't believe that they were both doing well and healthy. And Mm. then God just continued to blow me away. Like I had them and they were miracles. Like I was so happy. I had these little babies at that point. JR was still working at, um, 
Riverside, but the it was in 2008, and the market was crashing, and the church was overstaffed, and he had lost his salary, so he stayed on as a volunteer, tried to find work, and um, we were trying to figure out how we were going to make it with three little kids, yeah. and um, I, I was amazed that I was able to nurse them, because I was like overwhelmed by that whole journey in itself and here I had these three babies and I was just content we were never gonna you know try to have another child again we were just gonna move on and maybe get to adopt a baby someday and I oh goodness he had so he had gone a year without his job at the church and we just I he had applied everywhere the electrical workers union the sheet metal workers union the fire department the police department all he would say is, I just want to provide for my family. Mm. I don't care where I work. I just want to provide for my family. Mm. And I sent emails out to friends and family just, you know, please be praying. I really, I felt like for the first time in our marriage, I stopped wanting what I wanted for us, which was paid ministry. Mm. And I just wanted to serve my husband. Like mm. I wanted God to give him a dream and I wanted to see him be fulfilled and God be glorified through what he was made to do. Mm. And we had gone a year in our youngest were nine months old. The twins were nine months old. And I had this wild flash of the night I found out with our firstborn. And I had this just check in my heart. I need to take, take a pregnancy test. And JR said, how in the world would you think we're pregnant? Like we don't get pregnant without major attempts. Like we have to have help. <laughs> and I saw a positive pregnancy test and that was our fourth, our first baby with no medicine. Wow. By surprise, I had, it was just unbelievable we were so in awe that we were having and, and we had talked about the future child that we would adopt and we called her Betsy we were going to adopt a little girl and we're going to name her Betsy and that's the my fourth born is a little girl and Jared looked at my stomach and said Betsy we've talked about you so much you're coming aren't you oh. and he knew from that night he knew I was carrying his second daughter oh my goodness and so is she the little one that um loves to mirror you like she that's Willow. You? She's the next one. That's She's Willow. The one that okay. I cried over her pregnancy. Okay. Because <laughs> you weren't, you were overwhelmed. Were you overwhelmed? I was so overwhelmed. Yeah. Because yeah, like you had four that were what, four and under? They were, when, he, when Betsy was born, Foster was three. And so your fifth were, was born and your oldest was three. Yeah. My fourth was born. The twins were one, not, not even a year and a half. And then he turned four that summer. She was five months old when I got pregnant. And I, I like, I kind of can, feel like a, a lot across the board I can relate to any woman like I felt like I understood what a teenage pregnancy was like or an un, you know like an unprepared unplanned pregnancy mm, yeah here we had hoped for that in our beginning you know just this surprise I wasn't I wasn't happy though I was so terrified at being pregnant again I didn't I'm not one of those gracious women who loves being pregnant mm, yeah I don't um I did not keep food down. I couldn't handle any smell. I was always exhausted. Yeah. And my body hurt really bad. So it took a lot of work to carry humans to me. Yeah. And I was like, my twins weren't quite two. The baby was, Betsy was five months old and I was, I had a positive pregnancy test and I did not think I was going to make it. I had just lost my grandma and I was kind of coming down from the grief of losing her and I, I just, I remember saying, Lord, I don't understand. You say we, you don't give us more than we can handle. Like I, that, that truth, like I had to wrestle with that. And then it was phenomenal what happened because I thought that I trusted him, but like I actually had to surrender everything. It went from a place of trust and holding on to doing what I could do to like letting it all go, giving it to him. Mm -hmm. And when she was, when I was pregnant with her four months pregnant, 
I had this woman I met in the doctor's office who was probably in her 60s and walk up to me. She found out I was pregnant with number five. She looked at me. She touched my tummy and she said, I'm number five. She mm-hmm. said, my mom still calls me to this day and tells me what a joy it was to have me. Mm-hmm. And I just sobbed and I was just like, okay, Lord, I, I asked for this. I wanted this big family and I'm, I don't know how you think I'm going to do it, but I'm going to, I'm going to just give you the glory through the process. And when she was born, it was like we became new people. Mm-hmm. JR and I just, oh, it was incredible. Like, it's like, but the vision that I had is like, literally like imagine the sound of like a soda can, like this pop, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, God just poured out grace, and he didn't give it to us before. He gave it to us when we needed it, because his yeah. grace is genuinely endless. Like, yeah. he never, there's never not more. And really, his grace comes in the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, mm-hmm. he gives us what we need. Mm-hmm. And we got it when she was born. And then we were just like, this is, like, we felt like we were living extraordinary. <laughs> Wholeheartedly. Like, this is, this is big. Like, what, it didn't feel like, oh, my gosh, I have another child. It was like, oh, my gosh look at what our quiver looks like. God has big things for us. Like we get to raise these kids mm. and we didn't know what was coming. I mean, five kids felt like a whole bunch. Cause I have a brother, you know, like mm-hmm. I was like that we're done. Right. Lord, this yeah. is it. Right. Yeah. And so, so here you have five littles and then, mm-hmm. um, something that you don't hear much about. You guys decided God walked you down this journey of embryo adoption yeah. Tell us so about great. that. That is wild. Like when the fifth was six weeks old, I started seeing people like talk about that as a form of infertility, like that being an option. And it just stirred my heart because our twins who were two were like living, breathing, amazing little humans that would have never made it without my womb. Like yeah. they weren't even their life, their perfection of just, they're so fine. You know, like, there's no <laughs> issues health wise they wouldn't even have made it to being frozen had they not get it, gotten into my womb. Wow. And there are over a half a million frozen embryos in America. Wow. Mm. And I was so taken by that. Oh, my gosh, how amazing would it be to be able to adopt this way? And I gave it all over to the Lord. Like, I didn't think it was possible. I didn't know what would happen. I remember looking at some sites online. That was seven years ago, and she was a brand-new baby. And I was like, who's going to adopt an embryo to a family that already has five, you know? Yeah. And just handed it over. And then we celebrated her first year, first birthday. And it was the first, first birthday that I got to celebrate without the news of another baby. Wow. <laughs> it was it was so sweet because I loved it in the past, but I also loved just being able to let her life be enough. Like, yeah. she was enough to celebrate. and. So we had a garage sale and sold everything, and we're just like, okay, we're moving on. We were at our 10-year anniversary at that point, and we decided to go on a trip. So, like, I stopped nursing her. I was, like, grieving that, you know, that season. And then we went on a little mini vacation with our daughter or our kids, and we went to uh, the Kalahari up in Wisconsin Dells. And we met a family that had embryos, and I I remember sending a text to my husband while he was napping with all the kids. I just had a God moment on the water slide. We shared stories of infertilities, and they have embryos, and I told him we'd adopt them. And he was like, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so the story is just so wild. We ended up, you know, connecting. I went to see the do- my doctor to see if it was okay if I could even carry, because I'd already had three C-sections, and every door that we went to that was like this could easily get closed we're just flying open so we did it personally versus an agency which there are agencies now which are really cool there's a lot of clinics that will take people that have embryos that they don't want to discard or they don't want to keep because they weren't planning on a large family but 
you know, medicine kind of over, overproduces right now. So, um, there are agencies out there that will like help you actually get connected to a family that has embryos. And mm-hmm. our story specifically was just so written by God because this, our youngest, um, she has red hair, which is so crazy because her her genetic family, she has three siblings, and they are an awesome family that loves the Lord. She actually just got to meet them this last fall. Wow. And um, we call them her special family, and they send gifts, and we, you know, they're in our life, and it's a lot for her. You know, like, it's a lot to unpack. Like, the kids will say, like, she's embryo adopted, and they're like, they'll say things, but they don't quite understand what it means to be an embryo, so we'll watch videos, you know, like like not graphic videos, but like an embryo in the womb, like those cool, you know, know, pregnancy to full term things. And then I I have to remind them, you guys all started as embryos too. Like it's, it's all, it's so wild because we actually adopted two. And technically the, the, by law, they donated the embryos to us. You can have it written as an adoption, but um, just because we didn't have an agency between us to kind of help counsel that we just, we had the counsel of the lawyer that we found that was able to help us, you know, get the legal rights changed over and stuff. But to us, we believe life begins at conception. So she's, you know, she's got this really cool, rad set of genetic family members that we believe, like, while she's young, like, she needs to be raised as this is her home, this is her family. And then we get this short 18-year span of time, you know, like, she gets to, she gets to hear about them. Mm. But as she grows, like, she gets to decide you know, how involved that family is going to be, you know, like, who knows, maybe she has two dads walking down the aisle, like, we're, we're excited to help her walk through it, because it's, it's been a wild journey, like, I remember being pregnant with her, and feeling like, oh my gosh, this is what Mary was like, like, I literally just had a baby put into my Mm. body, and I get to share my womb, like, and I said, I don't like to be pregnant, you Mm -hmm. know, but I did it, because it was like nine months for, you know, literally all of eternity, this child gets yeah. to be born on earth, and yeah. that was one of the cool things that her first, you know, the genetic family, they said, was so cool when we met them, like, they said, every child is, you know, is the Lord's, and we just want these embryos to have a chance to come to know Christ on earth, Wow! and it was like, wow, you are really amazing people, like, I, I was just so, it was so close to home, understanding what it's like to have, potentially had 12 other embryos frozen Mm. that we didn't get faced with that because ours weren't that quality so Mm. well and how cool is our god that you met on a water slide (laughs) right i know we went on a vacation recently it was the first one we've gone on really in years and did jr say like honey we're like let's not adopt anyone on a water slide (laughs) (laughs) yes it was like really crazy things happen when we go on adventures together so um yeah it was so it's wild it's so wild and and we're we're like so moved by it that we want to do it again, mm-hmm. adopt again. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you just released something. I, I saw it online. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we, we, I would have probably first and foremost thought we would do foster care, um, before even our adopted embryo story and stuff. But, um, our family is, there's like at capacities in certain States. And so because we have six children under the age of 18, we can't foster to adopt. Mm-hmm. And we actually started foster care classes when our first, or we only had one in between our miscarriage and our twins. And I just fell in love with it and wanted to do it and really truly thought that's what we would end up doing. And I love that God just has different plans because mm-hmm. I think when I look back on it, it was like, well, I want to adopt regard anyway, but like maybe this, yeah, there'll be heartache in it, but it doesn't cost money. And so there was this like element of, well, we'll just get, you know, approved. We'll get matched with families, you know, that are specific, these kids that would be specific 
you know, potential adoptive children. And, and we, the door was slammed shut for that. And then since I've had four C-sections, although it's been such an amazing thing to do embryo adoption, my husband just had such a like hesitancy towards me carrying again. Mm-hmm. And he just said, let's just kind of explore. Let's pray. We we moved out here and he was done with school. We kind of just, you know, put everything on the back burner while he was finishing his master's. And we moved out to California and we just, I, I couldn't shake it. I'm like, oh my gosh, am I crazy? Like, why am I even thinking about adoption again? Like our child's going to turn four. Like we kind of let it go for a season, but it hadn't ever left my heart. So we prayed over the different options and two of them were, well, we can't foster to adopt and embryo adoption as much as I love it. We're going to put that on the shelf because of my body. Yeah. And so the other options were domestic adoption and international. And so we were just like blown away by the fact that our hearts shifted towards the domestic adoption. Cause I would have thought that would have been, I mean, I was stirred towards adoption because I was on the missions, you know, field mission field in Peru multiple times and was so moved by just kids on the streets. Like mm. I would have thought we would end up in another country, like that our country would be highlighted and that's where we'd go. But mm. no, our hearts actually became like burdened and awakened towards birth moms, mm. towards women that are walking to a you know medical facility and are, you know, professionally told they can take care of the problem. Mm. And so it's like, Oh my gosh, like women that actually decide to carry a child and really can't parent. Like that's the most sacrificial thing because mm-hmm. I, I I, I, I'll, I'll never know what it's like to be in those shoes, but like, I know how hard it is to parent when seasons are, you know, but I've never been alone in it. So, right. so yeah, just such a passion towards being able to have an open adoption story. And we just like are burdened for it, but it's mm. super expensive in America mm. so much so that like, you're like, Oh, it's just too expensive. And you kind of want to like ignore it, you know? Yeah. So we voiced it, we're going to do it. And then we've ran into so many hurdles here living in California and there's, you know, state guidelines of how many rooms for children and all this stuff. And so we've, it took us a while to find a place that we would be home study approved in. And we started to just kind of stir over cause we're still in a newer community. So usually it's like your community that rallies around you, you know, to help kind of raise those funds. Mm. And so we were like, how can we do this? to where it's not like a silent auction here and a t-shirt, you know, fundraiser here, which those are really great things Mm -hmm. if you are in a rich community, Mm -hmm. but we were still building ours. And so we just started to like mull over, like if we could get people to give $7 for maybe seven, how cool would that be? Mm. And I just started doing the math in my head because, you know, I'm in like the world of multiplication tables and it's (laughs) like, wow, if seven people, 7,000 people gave $7, we could raise $49,000 and we could literally fund our adoption mm-hmm. and anything that would go, that would be above it. Like we could actually give to, to start another one. Like how cool mm-hmm. would that be? Mm-hmm. Cause we won't know our total until we're actually like at the end, you know, we mm-hmm. just get told this is what you have to budget for. You get to choose the budget. We'll show you the cases according to that. Wow. And we kind of chose a number that was right in the middle, not on the high end and not on the overly low end. Mm-hmm. Wow. And if we get matched for something that is a little lower, we're like, okay, this is going to be given. So we just launched a fundraiser. We created a website called 7000names.com. And we're going to just, we have something to go all the way to the end. It's so exciting. So we are hopeful that after we hit the first 2000 names, like we'll start to see a lot of progress in our story because mm. we'll have funds to be able to start, you know, giving to the things that we need. Mm. Okay, so first of all, I find it so um, 
heartbreaking that it's so difficult here in the U.S. to adopt a child when there are so many that need adopted. What, what in the world? I know. It is wild. And I, I mean, I don't know because it's all kind of abstract, you know, like you don't really know why outside of the fact that anyone that wants to be a part of the that world, they're professionals. And so they have to make a living. Yeah. And so I, I like there's times when I get frustrated by it and other times where I'm like, well, these people want to make an impact and this is their, their form of impact. But they, you know, like whether it's a referral agency that we're working with or, you know, like lawyers, obviously, maybe their, maybe their fees are over the top, but I, I can't, I can't do what they could do. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then there's those, those cases where maybe the birth mom needs it's so it's so all across the board whether it's they need help with you know health insurance or they need help where they're staying right at the very end like there's just it's just endless with where the the costs come from yeah I'm sure so that's such good that's such good perspective on your part though I think so often it's easy to kind of discount what other people do Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. realizing that you know those people in that industry they might be raising their own little bunch of littles you know, yeah. and that's their income. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's such good perspective. I, I love that mm-hmm. from your part. That's so good. So tell us again I, the website that you all have started, your campaign. 7,000, just the number, 7000, right? 7000names.com. Okay. So if you're listening and you want to help be a part of this amazing Dakin family story, go check out that website and be one of those names. Be one of those names that, I mean, everybody, we can all do $7, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm thinking that's that really, my seven-year-old's probably going to want to be a part of this, have his name on that's there. That's really where it's, it was stirred from. Like, my kids would love to do a lemonade stand and, like, you know, maybe come up with three people's names or something like yeah. that. Like, it's just precious because, like, young and old can do it. And, and honestly, when we're in grocery stores, you know, like those places where you, like, connect with people, like, we are not strangers. Like, we talk to everyone, yeah. everyone, and the conversation just continues to unfold. And so naturally, like... I don't even prompt it. Like my Betsy, my eight-year-old, she's always telling everyone where we go. We're adopting. Mm. And it's just precious. So we actually made little cards to give out, like that just have the web address. And we just, we're like, you know what? People love to be a part of a good story. And it's such a doable amount. And 7,000 does feel like really intimidating. Mm -hmm. But we're not, we don't have like a two-week, you know, goal. Like we do want to raise like the first 2,000 soon. And then over the course of the next, you know, coming months, we we hope to see it just really continue to grow. And it is such a doable thing. And I'm like, I would love to be a part of that. Sometimes I get overwhelmed when people are asking, you know, to give. Mm -hmm. And you always hear like, whatever you want to give, whatever you can. You never feel like, $10 $10 is enough. Yeah. You yeah. know, you don't, it's like, how is this going to make an impact? But like the neat part of this is we couldn't afford on our website to have it do it automatically. So we actually get every single email mm. and we're getting to read story after story. Like yesterday we just, you know, launched and we had a 300 and I, I don't remember right now because we had people that had given previously mm. and they didn't give to the 7,000 names, but we, we've kind of pounded some of their names according, just because they've already given, which mm-hmm. is really awesome. So mm-hmm definitely over 200 gifts yesterday, like 200 mm. names given. Wow. And each of them, like there were a handful of them that gave for their family. And then in faith, they gave for their baby that they hope to adopt. Mm. That's and awesome. It, like, we like had tears in our eyes reading people's like, like there were prophetic gifts, like just like speaking that into life, you know, mm. like yes. I'm going to give this seed to trust God and believe that $7 is a seed. Wow. And so it's been awesome to watch. I mean, we saw so many like $28 gifts and $14 gifts. And like, normally you would feel like that's a weird number to give. And it's actually like, 
this you can feel good about giving that that's I'm, right mm-hmm. so that's, that's so incredible yeah that's amazing and and tell us your instagram too so our instagram is our dear life just the words our dear life it's because this is a little our dear life that we're living it's yeah. only one that we have and yeah, so that's so good. And so is- you can follow along at Our Dear Life on Instagram and see what unfolds. I'm so excited to watch this and just see what God does. What's going to be amazing. Well, I think how incredible to tell your seventh baby or, well, your seventh born um, right. to say, look at all of these names that helped you come into this family. Yeah, we're, we're actually going to handwrite every single name into a leather journal. That is awesome. And we're writing a name, like a letter to the baby, and we're going to just like keep it. And I mean, it's going to, you know, take work, but I'm like, oh my gosh, the impact, you know? Like, well, yeah, because awesome. that child is going to be able to read those. And it, I would, I would guess probably not have to doubt that they were wanted. <laughs> right. You know, Absolutely. like this army of people yeah. behind them. That's so cool. Um, yeah. Okay. So before we wrap up, I want to talk to you a little bit. You guys have clearly made some decisions in your marriage that are pretty counterculture. Um <laughs> What are what are some of the decisions that you guys have made that have really positively impacted your family? Um, I don't know if this is for our family's sake. Um, when we moved to California, we got rid of our TV. Hmm. And I know that probably seems simple. We still have we still have devices. They aren't they aren't like allowed to be used all the time at all. But um, it just changed the nature of our family. And I can't say I would have done it had I stayed in Illinois and lived through winters. I love the season that we had when we had, you know, we curl, curled up around the TV. But it's just in my children, like in their ages right now, like we play games all the time. Mm. We are, like I was like coming into the car and all of my kids were dressed up at 8 o'clock in the morning as characters from Anne of Green Gables because we've been listening to it on radio theater audiobook. And like they had multiple characters. We didn't have enough, you know, and they just, my kids play together so much because they have each other, you know, Mm -hmm. and they read. So, I mean, I have late, late readers, like kids that I had to set an alarm over and pray over every single day because I would let the the standard and culture tell me that we were behind Mm -hmm. and I had to have God speak to me over just peace that I was doing the right thing and that they would be okay. Mm. And this one day I just, I had a, like an alarm on my phone go off twice a day and it said, pray for homeschool vision. Mm. And so one day I like, it was walking through the hall and it was like, as, as the alarm went off, I just felt like prompted in my heart. I want to teach you wisdom through experience. And then three women that have homeschooled, you know, all the way through. And I, and I don't, I don't like to say I'm doing it all the way through because I don't want to like have a charge. I want to, be uh, keep myself like vulnerable for the Lord to hear from him for mm-hmm. what's right for my kids mm-hmm. yeah and so each one of them like I called them and I said okay I've been praying for months and I like asked them you know what do you have to say and each one of them just said let them play like let them be kids like it'll come and being able to remove like like a lot of distractions and like us just be us like I have incredible readers now that were not reading at seven mm-hmm. you know and now they're turning 10 and they like just devour books and listen mm. to audiobooks and it's just become it's been cool because I, I didn't grow up in that type of na- like environment mm-hmm. so it's it's different for us so it it is awesome and then I would say like we're a family that just prays together mm. like we pray we like actually right now praying for my husband's job like we call each other three times throughout the day well he in the morning we start by just giving thanks we're literally not allowed to say anything else we just mm. thank God for whatever we think of and it's hard actually to do. And then the day we pray over dad's provision in his job right now. 
in favor for it. And in the evenings, we pray that God will give our family, like, creativity for how we can continue to provide. We'd love for my husband to not have to work two jobs. Mm-hmm. But um, just believing God for who he is. And we, I, I, it feels so natural. That feels like a natural way of living. But I know it's countercultural to be a people that pray together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. I love that. I love, um, one thing I love about your family, Allie, is your Sunday lineup. You do these (laughs) darling pictures and it's, uh, you know, hit or miss if I see them. But I think the thing that is so unique is that, um, you know, your, your kiddos aren't necessarily cookie cutter kiddos. Um, they're so unique and I think it fits your story so perfectly. Um, but I love, I always love seeing your little one on the end and just seeing how she looks so much like you guys and, you know, so though you've chosen these these counterculture decisions to to go that God sees you and he's so in the details of those decisions and those things that maybe society looks on and goes, that doesn't really make sense. Or maybe that's o- that seems over the top to someone listening. Um, but God's so strategic in, in your lineup. And so I'm just, I'm really proud of you and JR for being able to really to walk a road that's not um, super common. Um, it's pretty unique. So well done. Thank you. Thank you so much. And honestly, because I didn't grow up in the church at all, like I didn't know the Lord literally didn't even know that Jesus was a name like until I was 17. Wow. And I like, I get so overwhelmed when I meet adult families that love each other because so like, I actually have a handful of times cried over just the beauty of you guys, of you girls, of you sisters, of you best friends, like it, like it, that, that to me is like, I, like, I can't imagine how just proud your mom is because mm. that is my hope for my children. You mm. know, like I want them to love each other forever and to change the world for the Lord. Like there's nothing more of a success to me than those two things. Mm. Amen. Well, I have no doubt that that's what's going to happen. You know, the, the Bible, the promises of God's word, um, are so beautiful and that's you're putting that foundation and that love for Jesus inside your children it's so evident so I have no doubt that that's what's going to happen amen thank you well Allie thank you so much for sharing your story I know people are just one they're just going to be like what in the world they're going to be blown away by it I think they're going to be so encouraged by your faith I love that you said that you have that gift of faith Mm -hmm. Heidi and I both can relate to that just knowing that God is good and he's faithful to us and we in turn are faithful to him and so thank you for sharing your story and for encouraging all of us just to keep our eyes on Jesus Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. So to our sweet listeners, thank you for joining us on this episode. I'm confident that so many of you can relate to so many things that Ali shared, um, whether it's in a season of waiting or trying to figure out what God's plan is for building your family. Um, the encouragement I hope you picked up on is that God is in your details, mm-hmm. that he's not overlooking you. He's mm-hmm. not forsaking you. Um, and that he does have a beautiful plan for you. Mm-hmm. It may look different than the group of friends around you, the way their story looks, but it's still good Mm because God is in it. Yes. And go to their website, go to 7,000names.com. If you feel just even a tiny little bit of stirring in your spirit, go and be one of those names that gets put into that journal. What an amazing, you know, I can't wait for heaven someday to like see all of these plans and all of these things and these stories that God's written here on earth. And then we get to see the fullness of it. Yeah. And I just think for Allie and for JR, you know, so Allie's sitting in her man 
um, letting her kiddos love on each other, play with each other. So this is a sacrifice for her to mm-hmm. give up this hour. Mm-hmm. And um, so let's just show her that the H&H yeah. Hour loves her yes. and message her and let her know that you are one of those names. That's so exciting. Yes. Thanks so much for listening and we will chat with you next time. So Heather, I want to thank our sponsor today. Zeller Electric is a local family-owned electric company. Yes. And they have been operating in our area for over four decades. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, one thing that I think is very interesting and exciting about them is that they're bringing the latest advancements in electrical technology um, and backing it with great integrity, with safety, with dependability. And I'll just speak for my own self. Okay. So I am a stay-at-home mom. Yes. And I run my my business and my ministry out of home. Yes. So sometimes I end up doing some of the things like calling for the electrician. Right. And I love having the opportunity to have a local business. Yes, family that, owned. Yeah, that yes. can be trusted and you can just choose to shoot them a call knowing that, okay, they've they've been in the area for so long, so we can trust them. That's awesome. And they'll do things like light your basements. If you need some awesome lights in your basement, maybe you have a dark and dingy basement and you want to bring some light down there. Your outdoor patios. Oh, that's my favorite. Outdoor patios with lights. Oh, so romantic. So awesome. Help with remodeling projects. They can install generators in your home or office. They can do it all. Mm-hmm. So, and the cool thing, Heidi, is that they're offering our listeners a 10% off of their very first service call. If they go and like them on Facebook, so Zeller Electric on Facebook, and if they mention the H&H Hour, they'll get 10% off. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. All right, so you can learn more by visiting zeller-electric.com. And we'll tag them all on our Instagram and our social media, and you can check them out online.